come in the morning. Amen. Amen. What a promise the Lord has given us. Let's turn to the gospel according to Mark. The gospel according to Mark, chapter number 3. And let's look at verse number 7, beginning there. Mark chapter 3, verse number 7. We had uh, two answered prayers today that we got to witness. As many of you know, of course, we have prayer room on Wednesday night. And at the end of our prayer time, we always pray for the upcoming Sunday. That God would bless, and God would be with us, He'd answer our prayers and according to His will. And uh, we always pray for a new face, and we had a brand new face here this morning. And if you wouldn't believe how many times the Lord's answered that prayer. We thank God for that. Uh, we're praying we get to keep more of them. As Brother Ben said, we're praying for returning faces. Amen. We also pray for, our, for our, the music part of our service. And that's an important part of the service. Amen. It truly is. It is very important. And we thank God for uh, Brother Bryson, Sister Bonnie, Sister Laverne. And, and uh, we've been praying for an organ player. We're still praying for that one. Uh, whether he's a man or a woman, young or old, uh, we are we're praying for that. And specifically, and help us pray, we want somebody that, that knows the Lord Jesus, who loves the Lord, who works well with other people, who would serve in a spirit of humility and uh, would uh, serve, uh, uh, serve the church in uh, kindness and in love. But this morning, we, uh, Autumn uh, played the bass for us, did a wonderful job, amen. And uh, next time you see her, you encourage her. Amen. You tell her that. Uh, what a gift God gave us this morning. We appreciate that. Uh, who knows what God can do in the life of a church? Amen. So do uh, next time you see her, you tell her that. Amen. Thank her for that. All right. Mark chapter number 3, verse number 7. We're going to go from verse 7 to 21 tonight. Uh, what's great about preaching through something is I probably honestly... Uh, this passage of scripture, unless you come to it, we'll never, we'd never come to it. And it's a great benefit and a blessing that when, we, when God leads us, leads us this direction, we get to do this because we get to learn some things that m might not typically come up in like topical preaching, taking a topic or just a text. So tonight, there's two things, I think, in our passage that the Lord has given us that will be important for us to know, and they are, number one, Jesus gets really famous. Mark wants us to know that. Number two, we see that Jesus calls his apostles, his disciples. So uh, let's begin in verse number uh, seven, we'll read through 13, and then we'll uh, pick up at verse 14 here in just a moment. So Mark chapter three, verse number seven, if you're there, say amen. Amen. I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Amen. I was telling Laverne, that, uh, and Erlene, that I, I only quit eating when I ran out of time. So, uh, but it was good, amen? Mark chapter 3, verse number 7. The Bible says, But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Eudamea, and from Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. So that's, why, that's twice a great multitude. Now those areas that, that Mark mentioned, that's basically, basically all of the Holy Land. So Jesus' fame has spread from Galilee, Capernaum, which is his home base for ministry, has spread all throughout Israel. Jesus has went viral now. He is 
a celebrity. Jesus has become famous. So the Bible says there was a great multitude. We see that twice in, in just a couple verses. Verse 7, a great multitude. And in, uh, and in verse number 8, we see a great multitude. And when they had heard what great things he did, they came unto him. In verse number 9, he spake to his disciples, and that a small ship would wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. So Jesus is so, is so crowded now, they're trying to figure out a way. Jesus is, is telling his disciples how we're going to handle this crowd. And so there's so many people around him now. In verse number 10, for he healed many, insomuch they pressed upon him for to touch him, and as many as had plagues. Verse number 11, and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them they should not make him known. And we'll stop there for now. Our Heavenly Father, bless us, bless us not, bless your word. And Lord, we pray that your word would be a great help to us. It would be an encouragement to our Christian lives. Help us to learn something tonight as we preach through the book of Mark. God, I pray it will be something we've never learned before, something we did not know. And Lord, we could add to our faith, we could grow by it, we could live by it. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would do a mighty work in our lives. Lord, truly we could produce more fruit. Help us to abide in you. And Lord, tonight we have an opportunity to do that by your word. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus Christ, your name we pray and we ask these things. Amen. Now verse 10 says, for he healed many. Now don't, don't consider that lightly. That He healed a lot of people. There's a lot of people that Jesus healed we don't know anything about. And that's true for our life today, isn't it? Jesus still heals many. Jesus still is impacting people's lives. Jesus is still ministering to people's soul. That has not stopped. And praise God, the multitude has gotten bigger, hasn't it? And that's the goal, isn't it? We want the multitude around Jesus to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Because more people need to be healed. I'm not talking about knee problems. More people need the great physician in their heart and in their life. So Jesus healed many. Now John has an has interesting statement to make about the works of Jesus in John chapter number 20. And I, I quote this often, but in John 20, verse number 30, John says this about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus did many other signs, truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But John picked John through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He said, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by, and that believing you might have life through his name. So the goal of Jesus' miracles, obviously he's compassionate, obviously he loves people, but it's so people might realize he's the Son of God, and they'd believe on him, and they'd believe on him and have life through his name. That was the purpose of the miracles. In verse chapter... In, Chapter, chapter number 21 in the book of John, verse 25, John concludes the book of John with this verse. He says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which are not written, which, which he did. If they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. John says, Amen. That Jesus did so many things in three and a half years that John says he did so many things that the books of all the world could not contain all the things that Jesus did in three and a half years. What a great, loving, powerful, awesome Savior. Amen? And that really is true because there's so many books been written about the Lord. 
So many past, so many commentaries and, 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 and authors have written about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, he is written about more than any other historical figure. He's the most famous person still that's ever lived upon the face of the earth. There is nobody more famous than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the most famous person that ever lived, amen? And he's the most important person that ever lived, amen? Nobody is more famous or more important or more rightly famous than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of people who are famous, and I don't really get it, do you? I really don't. I really don't get this, this human worship stuff. I don't understand it. I'm just not the person that, that I can go to somebody's to a concert and just be enamored by this person. Honestly, I could care less. about. There's really not that some, many people that if I saw them walking down the road that I'd be like, oh, wow, I'm just enamored by them. I really, I really don't care. But if I saw Jesus, amen, he is to be worshipped, isn't he? He's to be praised. He is rightfully, justly worthy of all the praise that the earth could ever give him. He is the true celebrity, isn't he? And he's the one that people should follow. I don't get all the, all the following people around. I understand, though, that I get following the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So uh, many people followed after Jesus. And this is important in the life of Christ because now it's, he's becoming a big deal on the, his, on, the, on the political stage of Israel. And so Jesus is getting famous but then in verse number 13, Jesus does something else that Mark wants us to know. So Mark wants us to know he's getting really famous, which is important for the rest of the book of Mark. And in verse number 13, Jesus calls his disciples unto him. The Bible says in verse 13, And he goeth up into a mountain. He called unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him that he might send them forth to preach. There's more details upon that in Matthew chapter 10 if you want to read that. The Bible says and that Jesus said to have power to heal sicknesses, to cast out devils, and Simon he surnamed Peter. Now we're going to have a list of the, of the apostles and the disciples. So he called Peter first. In verse 17, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Bionagas, which is sons of thunder. They're the sons of thunder. Verse 18, And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and this man is always mentioned last, verse number 19, Judas, and Judas Iscariot. He's the traitor, of course, which also betrayed him. And they went into a house, and the multitude cometh together, so they could not so much as eat bread, and when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. They think Jesus is just losing it. So here we have Jesus calling his disciples. Now the order that they're mentioned is, is, pretty, is important, because he always mentions Peter first. So anytime you see the list of the apostles, the disciples, Peter is always mentioned first. He's the leader of the group. Now he's not better than any disciple, but he is the leader of 
of the group. And that often arises from giftedness. And so Peter becomes the leader of the group, and then James and John, and then often then, then Andrew. So you always have in the list, you have Peter, James, John, and then Andrew, usually in that order. And Judas Iscariot is always mentioned last because he is last. Amen? He is the traitor. So Jesus calls his apostles. So the last portion of this sermon, I want to deal with that subject of an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he calls these men specifically. Notice that he ordained them in verse number 14. So he's, he specifically ordained them to do a specific task. We know what that is, like that a pastor, he should be ordained. Or a deacon should be ordained. A, a, a youth pastor, an assistant pastor should be ordained. And what that means is, is that the church is vouching for their credibility. That, that's what that means. So you think, what, why is that needed? It's needed because that they need to have somebody vouching for them. Somebody is saying that I can testify to the giftedness, the faithfulness, the spirituality of this person that this group of other men have been vouched for also are vouching and ordaining this other person. That they don't lay hands quickly on somebody. That it's, It should be a process that somebody is ordained by other people who are ordained because it keeps the riffraff out, so to speak. So Jesus, though, he's ordained them. He's set them aside. In verse number 13, he called them. He called them unto him whom he would. So Jesus has specifically decided. So that's interesting when that happens because it happens when there's a great multitude around Jesus and then Jesus then goes up on a mountain and he calls 12 of them specifically to do an important specific task. They've been ordained by Christ and they've been called by him specifically. And he called them whom he would. And that's interesting in verse 13. He is the one who decides that. So Jesus decided who they're going to be. He called them whom he would, and they came unto him. And that's always the order. Jesus calls, and they come. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's true for your salvation, too. Jesus calls, and then you came. He's the initiator of this. And so he calls out these 12 men to be his apostles. Now, the word apostle, it means a person, one who is sent. That's what it means. And Jesus called them, and he sent them out. Because the Bible says that he called whom he would, he ordained them, in verse 14, and he did it to send them forth to preach, in verse number 14. So he ordained these apostles, and he sent them out to preach. So an apostle is someone who is being sent out. It is a special ordained person in the New Testament church that Jesus Christ has called or employed specifically a special calling upon this person's life to go forth and to preach his word with authority through his ordination upon their lives. Now the Apostle Paul, he's also an apostle in the New Testament. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, he was one born out of due time. There's also a time in the New Testament where Titus and Barnabas are mentioned in, as apostles also. So an apostle is somebody in the New Testament that is specifically being sent out to do a specific work that Jesus has employed them to do. Obviously, Judas is not an apostle. Judas hung himself, killed himself, committed suicide. He betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus had an important purpose for him to fulfill, and he did it. Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And Jesus had an important mission for him to do, but unfortunate for him, it would have been better, Jesus said, if he'd never had been born. An apostle has an interesting position in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 20, the Bible says that, our, that we, the church, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So Westside Baptist Church is built upon the foundation of the prophets and these apostles that Jesus Christ ordained and called unto himself to fulfill a specific New Testament mission in the first century in the local church. That we are a byproduct of the apostles. That we are the fruit of the apostles. That's what we are. That Jesus Christ called his apostles in the New Testament to go and to preach the good news and for it to spread. And we, 2,000 plus years later, are the fruit of the apostles. The Bible says that we are built upon the foundations of the apostles. That's, that's significant because like the book of Romans, that's where we get the doctrine of justification by faith, by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't know that. The, the, 1 Corinthians teaches us about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for the apostle Paul, we wouldn't have no foundation to stand upon. If it wasn't for the book of 1 John, you and I wouldn't know what it looks like to be saved. We are built upon the message of the apostles. If it wasn't for Matthew and the gospel according to Matthew, we wouldn't know those great parables from Matthew chapter 13. We wouldn't really understand the sower, the seed and the sower, because he went into it in detail. If it wasn't for the apostles, we would have no foundation to stand upon. So the, the cor Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and then the apostles are built upon that cornerstone, and we are built upon that foundation in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the cornerstone, the apostles and the prophets are the foundation, and the church is built up from that. You might think, well, that's insignificant. If it wasn't for that, you and I wouldn't be a part of the church. If it wasn't for the works of the apostles, you and I wouldn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for what Peter did, you and I would have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are built upon the foundation of these apostles who Jesus specifically ordained to do this important task. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So Jesus is the cornerstone and the foundation of the church is the apostles and the prophets. And you and I are built up together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So we are built upon the foundation of these men that Jesus called specifically to do an ordained specific task. And he only chose these out of the whole multitude. Jesus chose these men to do it. This is, this is for his purpose and his work on earth. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have a church here today. Jesus Christ did this. Jesus built the Westside Baptist Church. Jesus laid the foundation through the message, the suffering, and the works of the apostles so you and I could have a church here today. That's the history of the Westside Baptist Church. That's how we got here, through the message of these men who Jesus ordained to spread his church. I would avoid, though, any group or any person. Now, there's a difference between a disciple and an apostle. Christians are to be disciples of Jesus. But a, an apostle, 
from what I understand from Scripture teaching, has ceased to exist in the modern time. Now, we can, we can be disciples. We can be missionaries. Some people say, I'm an apostle, an apostle that uses it synonymously with a missionary, somebody who goes out specifically to spread the gospel on purpose to another land, another people group. But in the, the apostolic sense, and I'm not talking about the denomination, in the New Testament apostolic age of the apostles, in the sense that I'm speaking of, the office of the apostle no longer exists. That was, this is the, that was the age of the apostles. You say, why is that important? Because if that is not true, first of all, somebody could come along and say, I want to add 4th John. I want to add the second book of Romans. I want to insert a footnote. God has spoken to me, some would say, and I want to add, in addition to 1 Corinthians, I want to slide in another passage. You see, we have to have something that is absolute. We have to have a message that is clear, and we have to have an ordained message from Jesus Christ that Jesus on purpose selected certain men to be apostles from among the multitude. See, not just everybody. There was a big, so the significance of what Mark is saying, out of a bunch of people, Jesus called out 12 on purpose. The significance of that timing is to teach us is that this is a specific one-time event that is happening that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ in that age was selecting certain people to do a certain work. Some would say, what about the Apostle Paul? Again, as one born out of due time. And he had to defend his apostleship. He defended his ministry. He suffered for Jesus' sake. He saw the resurrected Lord. He spoke with authority. And then Peter comes along and says that the writings of Paul are the words of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now some people of the modern age say, I'm an apostle. I'm thinking, oh, you're in addition to the apostle Paul. You're in addition to the apostle Peter. Oh, you're going to, we're going to now go back in time and you're going to foundation so we're going to tear down the house and we're going to have the Jesus the chief cornerstone and then we're going to have you as the foundation and we're going to build our church upon Jason as as much as I love Jason we cannot build the West Side Baptist Church on the authority of Jason Turner we need something else don't we now an apostle there's certain qualifications when I say apostle I'm talking about the apostolic age an apostle in the New Testament has certain qualifications There's three of them in the New Testament. Number one, an apostle of Jesus Christ must be specifically chosen, specifically chosen for this specific task. We see it in our text tonight, don't we? Mark chapter number 3, verse 13, he called unto him whom he will. Verse 14, he ordained 12. We see it in Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 15. They are called to do a specific task. In Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 15, the Bible says about, he told Ananias about the Apostle Paul, the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me 
to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Jesus himself, written in red, is saying, the apostle Saul of Tarsus, he's a chosen vessel unto me to do what? To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. He is what? A sent one. He is sent by Jesus Christ to do a specific task. And while we're going through these, let's just test the Apostle Paul's apostleship. Let's use these three and see if the Apostle Paul is an apostle. And let's pick any modern person who says that they're an apostle like the Apostle Paul, and let's find out if they're an apostle like the Apostle Paul. So the first qualifications of, a, of, a, of an apostle is they have to be specifically sent by Jesus Christ. And some people stop there, and from that position they say there's all kinds of apostles, because everybody's sent. In that case, I've been sent to be an apostle. That if that's the case, then me being called to preach the gospel, then I fit the qualifications of an apostle. But I say to you, I do not fit the qualifications of an apostle. I am a preacher of the gospel. That's what I am. I'm certainly not an apostle. I learn from the apostles. I stand upon the apostles' words. I proclaim the apostles' message. But I am not an apostle in the apostolic sense of the age, of this term. I'm not one. So, an apostle number one, Mark 3, 13 through 14, and Acts 9, 15, just for example, is someone who is specifically chosen to be sent by the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, the second qualifications of an apostle. It's someone that has seen the resurrected Lord. Now that cuts a lot of people out, don't it? That cuts me out and anybody else out. Somebody who has seen Jesus Christ alive after he was dead. We find this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 1. And Paul says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? Paul is saying, I'm an apostle. I've seen Jesus Christ our Lord. Have I not seen him? When, when the Apostle Paul is given his apologetic on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his defense of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he said he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Who's the twelfth one? That's Matthias. Matthias was, was, he was the human replacement, in my opinion, of, of Judas Iscariot. And one of the qualifications that even the disciples, when they cast lots to decide that it was Matthias, was that he had had to have seen Jesus Christ alive after he was dead. So even that, anybody in modern times says they're an apostle of Jesus, have they seen Christ alive after he was dead? Even the disciples agreed with that qualification. You think, why is this important? Don't you know there's certain denominations right now who they say their leader is an apostle? They call him an apostle. They say that he has direct, he has a direct message from God. And if someone says they're an apostle, he could be a cult leader, can't he? He could say, I found some golden tablets in the woods, and I'm an apostle, and I'm creating a, I'm adding to the gospel, and since I'm an apostle like Peter, then he bears a certain amount of weight and authority, more so than the evangelist down the road, wouldn't he? Anybody who says they're an apostle in the apostolic sense is heretic and must be avoided at all costs, because they're adding to the scripture and the message of the apostles. The Jehovah Witnesses have an apostle. The, the, the Mormons have an apostle. Do you see the dangers of this? The Warren Smith, I believe that's his name, who had a, he was the fundamental group of the Church of the Latter-day Saints in Texas, and all those girls were married to him. He's created this upon him being what? An apostle. It's 
dangerous. And so, an apostle is somebody not only has been called specifically of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also somebody who has seen the risen Lord after he was dead, saw him with their own eyes. And number three, and lastly, and we're closing, what are the qualifications for an apostle? Number one, specifically chosen by Jesus. Number two, must have seen the risen Lord with their eyes. And number three, they must be able to perform miracles. They must be able to perform miracles. Remember Jesus in our text tonight, he, in closing, he said that he ordained 12 of them, verse 14. In verse 15, he says, I'm sending you forth to preach and to do what? To have power to heal sicknesses, cast out devils. The same thing is said in the book of Mark, excuse me, the book of Matthew, chapter number 10 and verse number 8. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12, he says, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you, Paul says. The signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Who is an apostle? Somebody who is specifically called by Jesus Christ, who's seen him alive after he was dead with their own eyes, and also somebody that can perform miracles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A notable example of this in the book of Acts chapter number 2 when the early church is on fire. Acts chapter 2 verse 43, the Bible says, And fear came upon every soul, and notice, and many wonders and signs were done by who? By the apostles. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now some people who might hear this or listen to this would say, Brother Josh, I can't call you my brother. You're a heretic. Surely there's apostles today. Some would say, these signs, these gifts have not ceased. And I would say to them, then why haven't I seen one man in my whole life that could roam the halls of the hospital or go to some place and in the name of Jesus Christ, beyond any shadow of a doubt, do wonders and miracles before all people and it be proven and provable and notable and it with evidence and we could say, wow, this person truly has remarkable power. I could stand in his shadow and be made whole. He, we can rise Dorcas's daughter from the dead, Dorcas from the dead. We could, we could see mighty works done in the name of Jesus. But I've not seen that of you and neither have they. And I'm not saying Jesus can't heal, because he can, amen? But he does it according to his own will. You go to the doctor one day, you're sick. You go to the doctor the next day, you're not. But to be healed at the hands of an apostle, the days of the apostles have ceased. Now we're disciples and followers of Jesus. You may think, why, why would Jesus do it that way? Because the, the church in the turn of the first century, it needed to be proven by signs and wonders. To the Jews, they seek after a sign. And it needed to be evidence that this power that Jesus gave to these men, so you and I would listen to them, that this apostle Paul, he speaks through the authority of God and through the Lord Jesus Christ, because he does the same works that Jesus did when Jesus was on earth too. 
And many multitudes and many people saw Jesus heal these people. And now here comes the Apostle Paul and he speaks on behalf of Jesus and he comes into a room or a crowd and he says, here's what the Lord said and he proves it by what? Through many signs and wonders. And it had to stop. It had to stop. Because if it didn't stop, how would we know what a Bible is? If it didn't stop, then somebody could come along and say, we're going to add to the Bible. The Bible is closed. The apostles have written the New Testament. And we could rest on God's eternal word that this is the word of God and we can say that truly Peter knew what he was talking about. He saw Christ alive after he was dead. He performed wonders and miracles in his earthly ministry and he suffered for Jesus' namesake and they killed him for it. Surely Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ. So when then when you read the book of 1 Peter, you realize these are the words of God. When you read the book of Ephesians, you realize this is the word of God. That Jesus Christ has specifically called the apostle Paul and proven it with signs and wonders. And he saw Christ alive after he's dead and he proved that testimony by his willingness to suffer for that testimony. And when we read the apostles' words, we can say the Apostle Paul is saying the word of God. That's why that's important. We don't need a new Bible. We got one, don't we? We got enough. Let's stand to our feet tonight. What song shall we sing as we close? 375. 375.